Hey, it's Jess Massa. Thanks for listening to this episode of WTF Health. All this talk about the future of health is brought to you in part by our sponsors, Transparent, OneDrop, Wheel, Pfizer, Vita Health, Utopia, 120 over 80 marketing, and Bayer G4A. And don't forget, if you want to check out the video version of this interview, head on over to my YouTube channel. That's at youtube.com slash WTF Health. Hey, it's Jessica Damasa with WTF Health. What's the future health? I am talking to the who's who of health tech and healthcare innovation. And today we are checking in with our good friend from a next gen PBM company. We're talking to the CEO of Capital RX, AJ Loyakano. They have just closed a $106 million Series C round led by B Capital, who also is in their general catalyst, transformation, Edison Partners, all the, the old investors. This brings their total up to $175 million. So we are going to check in and hear what's going on. But first, let's say hi to AJ. AJ, what's up? Hey, great to be here, Jessica. I can't believe uh, I was looking at the calendar. It's been about two years since we've last had a chance to speak. Two years. And I remember being so excited to talk to you then. It was like pandemic summer. And it was like, we were talking like truly like, you know, PBM innovation, trying to figure out, you know, a better way to bring people lower cost prescription drugs and like your model was like brand spanking new at the time. And so it's exciting to catch up with you. And I have to start the conversation off here. I need an update because I'm reading this press release about the Series C. And the thing that struck me was it's like there is all this talk about this tech platform and its IT infrastructure for claims um, and benefits admin and processing and, you know, being the like delivery mechanism for all sorts of new ways to to administer prescription drug benefits. So what's going on, AJ? You guys sound more like a tech company than ever. Well, I think we always were a technology company, but to be fair, we wanted to study the model before we just started to build the technology. So I think... When we last spoke, we were, you know, still working in stealth mode on our platform, affectionately known as Judy. Judy is short for adjudication, and she is the brains behind our organization. And so what we were trying to determine, you know, operating as a PBM, a pharmacy benefit manager, this is us servicing employer groups directly to administrate their prescription benefit plan, was where are the friction points? Like, where's the cost to administer a plan? Because if you think about our model from our prior discussion, we don't make money on fulfillment. So we don't mark up drugs. We have our clearinghouse model, which lets the buyer and seller freely communicate on price, 100% pass through on any drug price or rebate. And really what this does is it creates a much better experience. It creates full alignment clinically, but more importantly, also what it's doing is it creates the same price for everyone. So no one can be like, well, how is it cheaper for them and not for me? And for all the reasons we've discussed in the past. And so when we're studying that model, what you want to look at is well, where are the friction points to administrate a plan? What costs the most amount of money? And, you know, if you think about it, it starts with everything from even your marketing cycles to your underwriting to implementing a plan and the data exchange and interoperability and connectivity and eligibility feeds and network management and reimbursement and billing and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of little things. And so what you're trying to figure out is what can we unify on one platform? And what can we create workflow automation around, which is how can I pull people out of it? Because if you think about it, is if you could reduce administrative cost, you're reducing the price of the prescription ultimately for the plan and the member. Okay. So 
talk to me a little bit more about Judy, like break this down for me. So like explain to me like the technology behind this. So you're yeah. taking out, is it like AI that's doing it? Like what are the sure. things, how, how are you guys taking out some of the administrative costs? Like to, is it just a better understanding of the process or is it more technical than that? Well, I think it's a combination of multiple things. So you start with a serverless, scalable, on-demand platform. So you're not paying for compute, compute unless you're using it. And so you're starting with a flexible framework so you could expand infinitely on scale. So it doesn't matter the size of the customer. But what you're looking at next is what I call unification, which is if you think about a traditional legacy PBM or carrier, you know, we hire people from industry and they'll say things like, you know what I love about the company? One of the things is that I have one login. It's to Judy. I'm not logging into 12 different systems and trying to figure out how they communicate or operate together. So unification was the first thing. Besides building on a scalable platform, it's how do we think about putting all of these workflows on one thing? So if you think about our industry today, we think about electronic claim processing. It's really handling a very narrow layer of what we call plan setup and processing a prescription. And processing, processing a prescription involves, in a very simplistic model, you're at the register at a pharmacy and the pharmacist is on the computer they're communicating through the switch to a different carrier PBM, which is feeding back information and doing drug utilization, clinical reviews, and price checks to provide that information. And that's claim processing. But what we wanted to do is how do you handle all the manual workflows? Because I often point this out is why has there been a massive underinvestment in the PBM or pharmacy benefit administration industry? And just to clarify that point, PBM is servicing employer groups directly. PBA is selling your technology and services to other carriers and health systems for them to administrate their benefit plans. And so what we wanted to do is, again, when we looked at this, is the system just scaled with people. And I make this point because there's never been a bad day in pharmacy benefits. You know, it's an inelastic demand curve where prices endlessly go up. The average cost of a drug continues to increase due to the proliferation of specialty medication and now gene therapies. And so if you never have a bad day in an industry, you don't really think about how do I innovate or become more efficient. And so the industry really scaled with people on systems that are 20, 30 years old, written in very antiquated languages on old school on-premise racking and cabling. And this is a very inefficient infrastructure. And so what we wanted to do is to take a step back and say, what can I put on a modern enterprise health platform? And so what we looked at was, I want to be able to do my underwriting sequences, my implementation management and onboarding, communication through print and mobile applications, patient portal. I want to manage networks and reimburse those networks, do my APAR functionality, my clients. And these are hundreds and hundreds of tasks that you do. And you're, what you're trying to do is prioritize the ones that are taking an awful lot of time. You know, so something like eligibility and on the surface may seem quite easy. I'm passing and sending information, but oftentimes, it, you know, to put it in perspective, we connect presently to over 600 unique entities we pass data to every day. So that's everything from carriers to TPAs to stop loss carriers to data warehousing services. And all of these things need to work in concert and securely. And so 
again, what we did with the Judy platform was we wanted to automate and connect all of these services and solutions and take down cost. Because, you know, the point I always try and make is everyone's always focused on what's my purchasing power and, you know, how cheap can you buy the drug? And, and I'm like, really, what you should be asking is what is the net cost to your plan? Like, I think people have been fooled into and distracted by things that don't matter when you should be looking at what's the net cost and the net performance. And this is where Judy just continues to amaze us as an organization. I often say we roughly operate maybe one seventh to one eighth of the cost of my competitors administratively. Wow. So, I mean, so explain to me the business model here then real quick, AJ, like how has this evolved? Because, I mean, you explained the difference between a PBA and a PBM. Like, are you guys running a dual model on that? And it's like, yep. if it is a mix, like what's the mix? Because the other thing that I read that I was like, whoa, was this is like amazing, like these statistics about your year over year growth from 2019 to 2020, 400%, from 2020 to 2021, 200%. So it's like, which side of the business is growing more here? So, I mean, I like to say they're both growing. I would like to give a little bit of a nod to the PBA side of the business. And to think about it, PBA is, you know, call it a year and a half old for us. You know, it's a relatively new product offering, but the results are very dramatic. We have amazing case studies and partners that are using the Judy platform now, and they've been great brand ambassadors for us in market. And so, I would say that the shift is starting to see a little bit of a, a nudge towards PBA. And I think some of it is because the size of these customers, where the average employer group might be five or 7,000 lives, which are still big size plans. Um, but when you look at the average health entity, like be it a health system or a health carrier plan, you know, you're often dealing in hundreds of thousands, or as we talk to new customers, even larger, higher targets that we're looking at. And I often make this clear is that there are no shortcuts in healthcare. So when you and I were talking two years ago, you know, first of all, I'm happy with any sized account. I always make, I love clients. So Who life plan, <laughs> sure, come speak with us. I'd love to service you. But I think what, what I always point about is your trust score in healthcare, which is, a lot of people start healthcare companies and they're like, my brother-in-law this, my friend in this company, my uncle's the CEO of this Fortune 100 company, and we're going to land that tomorrow. And I'm like, I've been around the block for 20 plus years in this industry at this point. There's no shortcuts. You know, you go to a Fortune 50 company, you know what the first thing a Fortune 50 company is going to ask? What other Fortune 50 company can I speak with that you service? So I often talk about your trust score. So you start selling 1,000 life cases to get to 2,000 life cases to get to 4 and 8 and 16 and 32, and you start to build up your reputation. And this takes time. It takes years. So, you know, we're in our fifth year of operation now. It's hard to believe. And now we have the ability literally to service any sized client. So, you know, my smallest customer, I think might be a couple hundred lives, you know, my largest account may be pushing a half a million. And so when you think about that, you have the capability to service, not just size, but the other thing I want to point out that's unique to our platform is line of business. So we're able to process both commercial claims as well as government claims, Medicare and Medicaid. And this is a very big differentiator. So really, when you have our Judy platform, you could service literally any size customer in any business segment in pharmacy. And, and that's proven to be extremely helpful when we talk with customers. 
That's awesome. So, I mean, I have to ask about the the market writ large then. So it's like, I mean, the big three, you've got, you know, Express Trips, RX, CVS, Caremark, you know, notorious for having control over three quarters of the market. Do you feel like you're starting to make headway? I mean, I feel like there's just been like, there's been a lot more elbowing in on the incumbents and not only the PBM space, but also in just the the health plan payment space in general. I think this is something I've I've got my eye on. It's like a conspiracy theory. Maybe I don't know. Just maybe it's the disruptive people I'm talking to. But do you feel like there's been, I mean, among the clients that you're talking to, I mean, they're, they're looking for something different other than than those as options, right? Well, I think we're definitely making progress. And I think even in the early years, statistically, if you think about it, 90% of our book of business today came from one of the big three. So our business comes from, now some of it, statistically speaking, in certain markets, they probably are 80%. So 80% of the time, if you're going to remove an account from someone else, another vendor, it's going to be one of the big three, but 90% of our book comes from the big three. In addition, we're starting to go up market. So on some of the health plans, some that have been announced, some that we're announcing, we're pulling from the big three. And I think there's a couple different reasons why, like when we win an account in a health plan, what the feedback you get is the first one is innovation. You know, they're blown away by Judy and our capabilities and how seamless and easy it is to administrate and manage these plans. And if you think about a health plan is they're really an entity that could sit on hundreds or thousands of sub accounts. So efficiency and administrative excellence is very important to them. I think the other thing that we look at when we kind of go through the model and you say, wow, like the evolution of this and how you've moved in and why these people are moving to you. I think the next thing that comes up is there's no conflict of interest. And this is an interesting one where once upon a time, the big three of PBM had names like, you know, Caremark, Express Scripts, and Catamaran. And why I mentioned this is they didn't own medical assets. They weren't medical carriers and pharmacy carriers. And so there was no conflict of interest. You know, they could service, you know, a health insurance company and be like, hey, I don't compete with you in market. But now fast forward today, these are all vertically integrated entities known as Cigna, CVS, and United. And so they compete with everyone in every market and every line of business. And so there's an inherent conflict of interest. And it doesn't matter if it's the same story of like, well, you may not be getting the best rates or the best outcomes the way I am. I think people are starting to become a little bit sick and tired of that story. And so I think that's a huge differentiator. And I think also we're very forward looking, which is what do we do next? How do we help them continue to evolve and advance? And I think this is what has been proven to be a very potent combination for us in our growth. All right. So speaking of what's next, you know, let, let's chat there for a minute. So 106 million. I mean, that that's a that's a that's a lot of capital. So what are you guys going to do next? I mean, do you continue to blow out the the tech platform side of things, the PBA side of things, or do you continue to layer those services on top of it and grow the PBM side of the business? Is it both? I mean, tell me a little bit about what the plans are for the capital. Sure. So the first thing you want, obviously, when raise capital for the use of proceeds is to continue to support the existing model and the existing solutions. And it's not just support the growth. You know, I often joke, like we wrote up a payment module like a year ago, and we crumpled it up and threw it on the floor, you know, this year and said, start over. Like, because even the observations we made from two or three years ago were okay, 
But operating at larger scale with more lines of business over time, we recognize we need to make improvements. So part of the proceeds is to continue to support the business, both in growth as well as administrative and from a technology standpoint. The other area that we look at from an investment is R&D. So we spend probably 30 to 40% of our operating budget on R&D. And that's a lot of money. And the reason why is there are so many things that need to be fixed in the infrastructure of healthcare. And I often make this point, this is, this is a good way to visualize what I see. So think of it this way. In the United States, I believe there are two electronic processing workflows in the United States for healthcare. One, you know, it's EHR, electronic health records, however you want to look at that, which is really the workflow to activate a claim. It's patient records, it's decision support, it's I'm prescribing something, you're having a procedure done. But the moment a physician, you know, completes a procedure or prescribes a medication, you've given like life to a claim. You have this claim, and now the claim disappears from EHR, and it goes to my world, which is the administrative workflow of a claim. So this is the electronic workflow to administrate a claim, and this is what we call an enterprise health platform that we've created. And what's interesting is this is the workflow of are you in network? What's your plan design? What's your co-payment? Am I eligible in this process? What's my payment, reimbursement, clinical oversight, et cetera? All of these things are being done. And there's been really no investment on this side. And I would often challenge that the world of electronic health records, EHR versus an enterprise health platform, the enterprise health platform is much larger And what we're looking at is there's been this really an underinvestment, and this is a huge opportunity to improve on these workflows because there's a lot of promises of vertical integration, creating efficiency, and perhaps it's, uh, you know, some sort of value-based contracting or care. You can't execute on these promises in the existing administrative workflows and infrastructure we have in the United States today. Systems do not speak to each other. They're antiquated. You know, it's a slideshow of information and you're really not doing any service to either the patient or the plan. And so part of our R&D is to improve all of these workflows, not just what we touch today. But if you think about it, my customer is a payer. A payer could be an employer group. It could be a municipality. It could be a state run program like Medicaid, the federal government, a health plan. Those are payers in the United States. And my whole point is they need to become more efficient, safer, and focus on better outcomes. And to do these things, they require an entirely new infrastructure. So I often say Capital Rx, we're the best plumbers in healthcare. All the things you don't see, these are eligibility file feeds and accumulators and data exchange and managing networks and reimbursement and payment and all these workflows that go on in the background, even mundane things like printing cards and communications and letters, all of these things need to be coordinated and integrated oftentimes with multiple vendors. And so we handle these workflows to maximum efficiency to reduce costs. And in this turn, you provide a better benefit. Are you out of pharmacy then and into more general healthcare? Does this put you into a whole different world then ultimately? Well, I think for us, our roots are pharmacy because there are two main benefits. There's medical and pharmacy when it comes to healthcare in the United States. Our roots are, as we discussed, PBM and PBA. 
But I look at, you know, going forward, a claim is a claim is a claim. Okay. You know, and <laughs> what I think is more important is you have a plan, you have a patient, and you have information about ex- access to care, communication on a, when a patient needs care or checkups or information and the payment workflows. And oftentimes we're paying the same people or reimbursing the same people. It doesn't matter if it's medical or pharmacy. And so for us, I look at the future and I say unified claim processing in a hyper-efficient infrastructure is the future of healthcare. I like that. And I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm glad that we arrived to here. I mean, I love these infrastructure plays and I feel like, you know, and not just you, AJ, but it's like a lot of the tech companies that I've spoken to over the last couple of years have evolved their model to think a little bit bigger and really think about how they can take the tech that they've built for you know, one piece of the market and sure. really apply that to, to become really that infrastructure for the whole thing to run on. So I can't imagine what the interview we're going to have in two years and from now is going to be like, <laughs> you're going to evolve your model again. <laughs> Well, I, I think it's a natural evolution. You know, I always say we stay with the same vertical. It's a payer. I want to service the payer's need on healthcare in any way that I can lean in and provide both technology service and support, I'll do it. And so that's what we're very focused on. I, I do say we stay in our lane, which is I'm not going to jump into lab anytime soon or dental or vision or things like that. <laughs> But I think what we always look at is kind of the primary workflows around administration, network management, payment. These are characteristics that are shared with every payer and every benefit or service they're providing. And so, you know, today we're hyper-focused on our PBM and PBA growth, but this foundation, I think, will lend itself to a lot of areas that we're partnering. You know, I often say, Some of our best product managers are our customers where they say, you do an amazing job with this. Could you tackle this? So we've got a bunch of pilots we're kicking off next year with some of our key customers. And again, we continue to expand the services that we provide these payers. All right, AJ. Well, we are going to have to keep our eye on what you guys do next. I'm so excited that we had the opportunity to catch up. It's been a it's you've been it's been a busy two years. <laughs> I'm excited to see where you guys have come. And congratulations again on your Series C round. Great investors in there. A lot of them coming back. And you know the the future looks bright. I think this this focus on your technology has really been is really exciting. It's very exciting for me to hear about and how you're planning to deploy it even further moving forward. Yeah, very cool stuff. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jessica. All right, we'll talk to you soon, AJ. Sooner than two years, okay? I don't need another big fundraise here to talk to you. <laughs> we like to hear what's happening on the PBM, PBA side of things. Anytime. Uh, all right, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jessica Damasa. And for more interviews with folks like AJ who are changing the way that we do healthcare, head on over to my YouTube channel. It is youtube.com slash WTF Health. We'll talk to you guys real soon. Take care. Thanks, Jessica. Hey, it's Jess. If you're looking for more news on what's going on in health tech, I've got another show airing on this channel called Health Tech Deals. In this one, famous healthcare curmudgeon Matthew Holt joins me twice a week to weigh in on the biggest funding deals, M&A activity, and exits in health tech. Just look for episodes labeled Health Tech Deals.